people need ordering principles. Twelve rules. Welcome to Twelve Rules for What. This is a short episode on national action. My name is Sam. I'm Alex, and we're here with. Yeah, I'm James. Uh, Hi. The journalist who's written about national action uh, did a lot of research into them when they were sort of started out into sort of individuals, interviewed some of them. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I interviewed one of the founders. Uh, like Which over one? a sort of email. Uh, ben Raymond. Oh, okay. Um, interesting character. What was he like? It's sort of difficult to describe. It was like very into image board culture, but not very clever. So those two things normally don't go hand in hand, right? People who are into image board culture are normally incredibly clever. Well, I, I think he was <laughs> he was seen as being one of the intellectuals of the group. Uh-huh. Like, so he had a politics degree from Essex. Like, so he he was like a graduate. Some of them, a lot of them, didn't have come from graduate backgrounds. So he was seen as being like one of the intellectuals, and and sort of he was one of the people that wrote a lot of their output. Um, he did all the artwork. He was sort of a key, like one of the key founders. Um, and yeah, he was just like not really that bright which is not like a massive surprise did you get any quotes um not really and the article <laughs> never got published so okay <laughs> yeah and now yeah. you can bring all that experience and research to that to this to this episode yeah, yeah. yeah preferably without defamation yeah, yeah. Uh, although no 12 rules for what we should point out is not a legal entity and we have no employees yeah so, and we are not even people yeah so you can't sue someone who's not a person it's all right? the output like, of a kind of an algae yeah uh, just stored under the ground <laughs> This is not going in the podcast, don't worry. Yeah, um, that is cool. I think it's great content. <laughs> Shall we go back to like how they got founded, why they got founded? Because um, people like, I guess like if you were like not an anti-fascist um, in like around 2016, 2017, this like absolutely mad group of really committed racist Nazis kind of like kind of came into like the public consciousness in a very real way. Like, you know, they were putting like bananas on the statue of Nelson Mandela in, in Parliament Square and doing all these outrageous things and seek heiling and people don't really people people probably still don't know what their roots were or where they came from um so could you tell us a bit about that yeah so national action was started i think it was like august 2013 yeah. um by it was a group of three people uh, the two key founders were alex davis who was this sort of seemingly middle class kid that was at warwick university um mm-hmm. and uh, ben Raymond, who uh, had done a politics degree at Essex, like Davis had been um, in the youth BMP, um, so had that sort of past of being involved in the nationalist electoralist project. Um, whereas Raymond had his own sort of fascist party called the Integralist Party. Oh my God, I didn't even know this. Yeah, so in the tradition of Brazilian integralism. Presume, I've got no idea. But yeah, he was like very into weird esoteric fascism. Um, and like the two of them met, I don't quite know how, um, they got together and founded this new group. It was like when, when they launched it, I think it was only three of them. They were helped by this sort of Californian school teacher to launch the website. They wrote a lengthy document. I think it was called attack. Um, where it they was ba- like kind of a policy strategy thing. Right? Yeah. 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 And they basically were establishing themselves as a Strasserite group that was going to be, involved in street activism like but one that had an understanding of youth culture in a way that other nazi groups hadn't done so it was like it's clear that they sort of came from this like image board kind of culture like so they're very much like you know we now talk about 4chan as being like a breeding ground of nazis it's like it's taken people years to realize that that was happening like these nazis were there when it was happening 
and like the national action you can sort of they <clears throat> told talked about how they were part of image board culture like when i interviewed ben raymond he um was like yeah we've come from that scene um and yeah they were also very closely linked to a website called iron march which mm -hmm. was international uh, fascist website and raymond was one of the administrators there okay and iron march kind of like it kind of i guess it spawned a lot of these similar kind of groups in different places around the globe so like uh, atom waffen division in america had a had a very very similar was similar in its extremity of its politics and uh, i can't remember the the and what's the one in australia the antipodean uh, antipodean resistance is also skydas in lithuania skydas um but yeah national action were the first real life group to emerge from iron march so this was like years before atom waffen even started mm -hmm. um and it's yeah, they they started to pick up young former young BMP members. This is like a few years after the BMP's collapse. It's like the BMP's the most successful sort of fascist political project in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, they have got over a million votes. Two had, MAPs, yeah, on like forty thousand active members. Right? Yeah, yeah, and they they had a large youth division, and there mm -hmm. so there are a lot of people that had been involved in that that wanted to continue sort of nationalist activism. The got dragged towards national action and they they started off by doing stunts i think the first demo they ever did was a demonstration outside a subway against halal meat or something like that it was like the ridiculous kind of shitty far-right activism compared to what they later want to do it's like so kind of quotidian and it's like kind of ambition right like yeah but it, it was an effective way of doing it because i think the the first interaction they had with anti-fascists was they went on a golden dawn solidarity demo and yeah. a group from London anti-fascists found them in a pub and didn't take them seriously and was like, you should just like leave and go. And they were escorted to a train station and left the area. So it's like they they were trying to come up with a way where they could develop a street presence without coming into contact with anti-fascists, which is sensible if you're a sort of committed Nazi, you want to avoid getting punched. I guess the um, this is kind of a, a, an interesting account because... It seems to me, who I'm nowhere near as uh, kind of informed about this group as you are, um, it seems to me that National Action were much more kind of like, you know, swastika on the sleeve kind of like Nazis than, say, like Generation Identity currently are, who are oh. much more kind of closed, much more like kind of slick in their presentation. And so they, I'm kind of surprised they wouldn't, no, they didn't encounter any kind of anti-fascist resistance, at least at, at first. Well, yeah, like uh, National Action were openly Nazi. Like there's photographs of them doing demonstrations in York and Newcastle with banners saying Hitler was right. It's like they were openly Nazi and quite proud of it. But they realised that if you do that, you're going to get attacked by people. Like, because... So they their whole strategy to start with was doing flash protests. Mm -hmm. So they'd just turn up unannounced. Like, they'd film themselves doing this. Like, they'd go around putting up stickers or Nazi posters. And then they'd... Yeah, they'd put a video out on the internet with some, like, shitty Nazi punk in the background. Like, like two days later. Yeah, yeah. And, and they had, like, a decent video editor. Their videos were getting tens of thousands of views. Um, and this was a really effective way to build up a Nazi street organisation. And I, you, I know you made a distinction between generation identity, but it is a similar kind of mode of, of politics. Right no, completely. Now. I'm just wondering, like, why it is that generation identity, which has been, it seems to me, like, pretty kind of, uh, people kind of leapt on it uh, as soon as it started to appear in the UK. And, of course, maybe that's because uh, we knew about it from Austria, we knew about it from uh, France as well, but maybe there's a kind of difference there. But it just seems like, um, the way you said, like, they, you know, they managed to, build up and build up and build up and build up without really encountering any kind of serious anti-fascist resistance. I'm just like kind of wondering. Yeah, like, but I, I think it's like they why? set their targets lower or what they were trying to achieve. Like they, they 
were doing like for flash mobs for years whereas like generation identity organized a conference like yeah. that they publicly advertise within like a month or two of launching yeah so it's like what generation identity are trying to do is to create a sort of legitimate organization whereas national action were openly like we're not going to be legitimate yeah and it isn't it is effective in in the uk uk anti-fascist movement has been is like is, is kind of bad at like responding to that kind of like far-right activity because it's kind of good we're uh, anti-fascists are good when there's something announced ahead of time and we've got like a month to prepare for it and we can contact all these groups and and do whatever but then when we've got these kind of flash mobs or these like less more like low-key things you can get away with it a lot more because there's no like kind of like further like research that's going on in, in any kind of organized way and so it's yeah it's an, it's an effective strategy well, I, I think it's also that a lot of anti-fascists in the uk didn't take national action seriously when they were launched like people were watching these videos of teenagers going around putting posters up in like groups of 10 and and this was at a time when the edl had been doing massive demos it's like people just weren't thinking that this group was going to be serious and they were so ridiculously openly nazi that it's like people just didn't see them as a serious threat. Whereas I think with Generation Identity, there's this whole history of what identitarians have done in France and Germany and Austria. So like anti-fascists are aware that identitarianism is, is a thing. They're not like anti-fascists in the UK weren't looking out for a Strasserite street organisation that was coming off like the internet. Of course, there were some anti-fascists like yeah. the Anti-Fascist Network and London Anti-Fascists and Merseyside Anti-Fascists who were like, we're on national action. Um, and, but there was there was another section of the movement which didn't, like you said, didn't take them seriously. And it, it is com- it is to be commended that that those groups did did recognise national action for what they were and were organising against them pretty early on. I mean, can you, when can you remember when the first what was the first white white man march? Was it Newcastle or Liverpool? Yeah. So national action um, had a northern organiser, a guy called Wayne Bell from Castleford, who. Uh, wanted to organise a white man march. Like This was like an American neo-Nazi sort of day of action that they'd launched. It was where pe- white men around the world were meant to take to the streets to be Nazis. Um, and he organised a, wh- a white man march in Newcastle. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the year before, I think the National Action just did a banner drop. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this time, this was going to be the first ever t- demonstration that National Action had like led that was publicly advertised. And this was 2015? I think so. Yeah, I, I think remember. so too. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so yeah, this was something that anti-fascists took very seriously. Um, sort of militant anti-fascists travelled to Newcastle, um, confronted National Action. Uh, I think three of them were hospitalised. And like this pushed National Action back like it also led to uh like national action had a hardcore band called mm. of wolves and angels that did horrendous like hardcore with the uh, fucking oswald mosley samples do not listen yeah it's dreadful it's quite hard to find on the internet as well um yes yeah, so they, they had this hardcore band it was an attempt to sort of get into the hardcore scene push push nazism into a part of the punk scene that's been sort of militantly anti-fascist for decades um, the lead singer of that band uh, got hit in the face with a tin of beans and a carrier bag, which led to... Classic like, northern self-defence right there. Yeah, which le- led to blood pissing out of his nose. Um, and that's the last time anti-fascists saw him on the street. So, and the band never released another L- uh, EP. So thank you, thank those anti-fascist music va- fans. A year later, they tried White Man March 2, and they picked a really, like incredibly stupid city to stay in which was of course liverpool well known for its uh 
heavily Nazi kind of history and presence and and general you know view of the people towards the right wing. That's that's sarcasm there. So the uh, you know, people who are not people who are not UK listeners. That was uh, Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool fucking hated them. But yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of interesting that because like Liverpool has had a long history of far right marches. Like mm-hmm. the National Front used to do a lot of marches there, um, sort of linked to the IRA Warrington bombing. Mm-hmm. Um, the that were opposed, but nothing quite like what happened to National Action. Um, what happened to National Action? <laughs> well, so National Action called a white man march again, organised by Wayne Bell. Um, like the first white man march had, had seen National Action build this coalition of sort of Nazi organisations. It's like British movement were out for that, Polish neo-Nazis, misanthropic division, the Creativity Alliance, like all of these like bizarre... Splint. The Creativity Nazi Alliance. Yeah. There's a, there's a neo-Nazi group called the Creativity Alliance. The Creativity yeah, Church, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, the World Good Church Lord. of the Creator. It's, uh, oh, okay, okay. That, yeah, not as in like, kind of, you know, the yeah. kind of creativity that like TED Talks are about. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Right much, much Although, different. Yeah, it's a guy called James Mack who is from Liverpool, but wasn't actually out on this. So, yeah, National Action had, had done this thing in Newcastle that they saw as a huge success. Like three of them had been hospitalised, but it was like the largest neo-Nazi, openly neo-Nazi demonstration in the UK for maybe twenty years. It was like a few of them got arrested, but they they thought it was brilliant, and they were like, "We're going to take this to Liverpool," like which they, they were describing as a red citadel. Um, I can't remember if that was before or after, but they definitely said that about it at one point. But yeah, in in the build-up, it's like the anti-fascist network put a huge amount of effort into mobilising against national action. And someone, like we don't know if it was actually national action or anti-fascist, sent a letter threatening the people of Liverpool being like uh, to the to, to, to the, the mayor to Joe Anderson yeah, right? yeah yeah being like if you don't let us march that like there'll be bodies in the streets or something like that and this was uh, published on the front page of the local paper and the city was just in uproar like people were outraged so National Action tried to do this march through through Liverpool and they just got surrounded in the train station like they were having bananas thrown at them. They were like people throwing bottles at them. Like they, they just couldn't march at all. There were Nazis being beaten up in all over the station. They had to hide in their lost and lost lost property office. Yeah, like the whole thing was a complete disaster for them. Like they the you know the last leg, the Channel Four comedy show. Yeah. They they'd hired someone to do an umpa like behind them as they were marching. Because <laughs> someone had done this in the US, like hired an someone with an umpa thing to like a tuba, a trombone. Yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they uh, they hired someone to do this, um, but they weren't able to do it because they were never able to march. So in- instead of showing this segment of this guy doing this music, they end up just showing this segment of National Action trapped in a lost luggage. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And I, and I think the uh, one of the sort of Snapchat things filmed by people that were on the demo ended up getting like 3 million views. So it's like it was national news that this... Or international news that this Nazi group had been humiliated, and I think the thing about it, the thing why it was so crushing was that, like, that Newcastle proved they can take a beating and they can, you know, they can take some some injuries, and they they kind of quite like that. They kind of, you know, they quite like that. But to be like so roundly humiliated in such a way was like not something that the group could really recover from. Well, I think they they did come back from it fairly effectively. So they they did a, a flash protest in Newcastle. Uh, no, not in Newcastle. They did they did a flash protest in Liverpool a couple of weeks or months later. And then they returned again the following February, um, where this time it's like they, they teamed up with uh, Northwest Infidels, which was an EDL splinter group. 
um, they'd also bust in about 30 Polish football hooligans. Um, but but what happened with the first white man march is just made people in Liverpool sort of so confident about doing street anti-fascism mm -hmm. that there hasn't been a sort of successful far-right march in Liverpool since. Um, there was an attempt, right? There was a yeah, so this was the, the February one, right, where yeah. um, they ended up sort of forming up on the steps of St George's Hall, which is the, the big building opposite Lime Street Station, um, and people just launching bricks at them. Yeah. For clarity, February which year? Uh, 2016. 2016, okay. So the um, the story of national action, I guess, takes a kind of a, a big turn when they get prescribed. Yeah, so this, Tell was, us about this, that. this was all because of what happened to Joe Cox. Um, national action put out a tweet after Joe Cox had been killed saying 649 to go. Um, and, and obviously, like, MPs were looking for, or the government was looking for someone on the far right to pin Joe Cox's murder on. Um, like Thomas Mayer had been loosely involved in Britain First um, before he killed Joe Cox, but, but he was like your kind of archetypical like learner, like lone wolf kind of figure. Really, like he didn't have deep connections to any group particularly. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that they wanted to show that they were cracking down on the far right as a result of like this murder of an MP. And National Action just ended up being the group that that got it. And I, th I think that sort of further radicalized them. Like they, that I think that pushed them into more extreme kinds of action. When National Action were banned, um, they tried to evade the ban by, in the same way that uh, Al Mahdi Jaroon did, mm -hmm. by sort of setting up new groups. Um, they tried doing this on a regional level, so they had different groups around the country um, that still sort of had a cell structure. Uh, one of the one, one of them was called NS One Three One, which was, was like a, National Socialist Anti-Capitalist Action, which is quite a mouthful. There was another one called Scottish Dawn. Yeah, so Scottish Dawn were kind of based on the whole identitarian thing, mm -hmm. but they were just like National Action Scotland re branded as another group and the thing about the state was like the state had got wise at this point to everyone like leaving one group and forming another group with a different name and so this tactic didn't not, not unlike not like al uh, uh which, which could, they they kind of got new names like they got like five or ten new names like they kept naming themselves and getting banned naming themselves getting banned scottish dawn and ns131 were banned fairly quickly or they were included in the prescription list fairly quickly right? yeah so the government changed the law because of what what Ahmed Jaroon had been doing mm -hmm. so they made it a criminal or it made they made it very easy to ban a renamed group mm -hmm. um, and they very quickly did this to national actions attempts although there have been groups that have been set up by national action sort of members since like uh, there's a group called the system resistance network yeah. which has a gab page and used to post on some sort of far right version of youtube yeah. but they've not really done anything beyond graffiti and putting up some posters yeah um and this prescription was like devastating for them a lot of the key figures were arrested to, as, as being for, for being members of the group uh, after it was banned um and a lot of them were handed out like years long prison sentences, right? Like three, four years. Yes, there's, there's been a number of cases that have come up. Um, there were a couple of national action members that were in the army. Mm -hmm. um, it looked like the sort of police got this from a telegram group right. that, that had, was full of like national action members. Um, and yeah, there, there, I think there are still some cases ongoing where people have been accused of being members of national action or not. But I think like the number of people linked to or alleged to be linked to the group in the legal system is like in the dozens mm -hmm. um it's like weirdly the sort of two key organizers like and founders of the group don't seem to have been caught up in this so we're talking about a fairly kind of um 
people who have been you know, a fairly kind of small group compared to like other groups that people would have uh, who are not involved in anti-fascism would have heard of like that these are it's a tiny group compared to say the EDL at its height it's a tiny group compared to the DFLA it's a tiny group compared to you know the BNP um uh, the height of its kind of electoral powers why should people be kind of uh interested in this group it seems like a tiny group of kind of idiot pranksters who yeah what's the kind of like the case for like kind of sustaining attention on them well, I, I think it was what they were trying to do. Like, they, they wanted to start a race war. Like, they, they were prepared to become increasingly violent to do that. So uh, they had members that were involved in sort of racist attacks. They had members that were putting uh, sort of squads out to beat up anti-fascists. Like, they were involved in uh, the rioting in Dover in mm-hmm. uh, January 2016. Um, like, they, they were becoming increasingly violent. And it, it, this was partly them getting beaten up by people on the left and realizing that they needed to train but like they, they had a gym in warrington where they they made it mandatory for members of the sort of underground version of national action to be regularly training so like they, they put videos of themselves doing mma training up on the internet before the ban came into force like they weren't particularly good at it but they were starting to take it seriously and I think had they not been banned and had they continued to grow, they would have got more confident. I think they would have started to launch sort of organised attacks on the left. Uh, all minorities, like I think there was one point where they opposed a gay pride march in Manchester. And it's like this isn't on the level of like Eastern European Nazi attacks on sort of minority groups. But it's something that they'd have liked to have got to. And it's like that was what they were trying to sort of replicate. And I think this like... It's, I think it's really important in anti-fascism to have like a really uncompre- uncompromising kind of attitude to all these kind of very tiny groups, because you want to you want to make it as inhospitable as possible right from the start. And I think that we anti-fascists did that effectively. So Jack Renshaw, who um, is was alleged to have been a member of National Action, but. Uh, no, he was definitely inconclu- a, no, he was definitely a member of National Action. We just, wasn't it, he, after he, it, it was prescribed. Not, it was not proven that he was a member after he was it was prescribed. He was started out in the BNP like a lot of these people, and kind of split away from it when he realised it wasn't really going anywhere after 2012, 13. I think it was still as the very kind of famous British uh, BM, BNP youth video. Uh, he's the kind of the the leader in that video. Yeah, yeah, and he was actually sort of famous in the UK for having complained about having a gay dog on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> what? I didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, his 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 dog shows kind of male dog show kind of sexual interest in other male dogs and he um posted about this on Facebook trying to train his dog to be less interested in other male dogs because that was against his principles. Nice. Cuz uh, yeah. Great content. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um yeah, so he had sort of come from this sort of fairly tame British fascist background um, and, like, thrown himself into national action. He's He sort of was a virulent anti-Semite. And there were, there were a couple of, like, uh, far-right protests in the northwest of England where Renshaw was a speaker and he gave, like, these virulently anti-Semitic speeches which led to him being arrested for giving really anti-Semitic speeches. Like incitement to racial hatred and there was stuff, you know, like... Jews being parasites, this kind of stuff. Yeah, it was like the the worst kind of Hitler-esque anti-Semitism you can imagine. Like, not stuff you would have heard from the BMP publicly. No. Um, but yeah, he was, he was sort of picked up by the police for having given these speeches. When they go through his phones, they find that he's been grooming two underage boys. So... Like 13 and 15 years old? 
Yeah, where I think he'd he'd offered them money for sex. Um, he'd tried to like get them to spend the night with him. Um, and yeah, he'd he sort of had these two ongoing legal issues: one for being an anti-Semite and another one for being a paedophile. Um, and he just decided that he sort of couldn't hack this. He needed a, a way out. And what what his plan was was to go to like the surgery of his local MP. Uh, like when she's holding a surgery, uh, take her hostage, take her and uh, a load of host- people hostage, exchange the um, hostages for the police officer that had been investigating him for the child grooming, <laughs> kill the police officer and the MP, and then run out and commit suicide by cop. And he, he described this as white jihad, and he modelled a lot of his like preparations on like a lot of like extreme islamist kind well of i think that that's actually a, a longer running theme in national action the whole white jihad theme thing mm-hmm. um one of the things where that came out was uh zach davis who mm-hmm. was um this sort of mentally ill guy from wales who uh attacked a seat guy in a tesco's with a machete yeah um he, whilst chanting white power yeah yeah so he'd been linked to national action like i think he was a member um and he'd sort of uh, been posting jihadi sort of Nazi jihadi type stuff, and and this was like a running thing that National Action did. Like they're actually working on a film uh, called White Jihad, <laughs> which was going to be sort of made by them, like about about what they were doing. So like so yeah, where that came from was actually like something that was embedded in the group. Yeah, there's a really kind of strange uh, some other strange crossovers between like far right activists and um, Islamists, right? Um, David Mayat of uh, National Socialist Movement back in the 80s and 90s then becomes um, the kind of foremost uh, UK-based propagandist for Al-Qaeda um, before then converting to his own kind of numinous way philosophy. David Myatt is a person for another another episode. Well, it's, own, it's, but, uh, it's linked to this yeah, very closely like with the whole um, Order of Nine Angels or no, Order of Nine Angles. Angles, yeah, yeah. I recently discovered those angles yeah. <laughs> after having thinking it was angels for a much longer time. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah, or Atom Orphan, which was the US group, have got heavily into that. Yeah, they have. Yeah, there's an excellent thread on um, Kiwi Farms about this. And Kiwi Farms is a far-right forum. Yeah. Rangshaw is basically going to spend the rest of his life in prison or extremely long time in prison for all these like accumulated offences like preparing to kill somebody, the the, the child grooming, the uh, racial hatred stuff. Um, he's going to be in prison for a long time and, and now that this trial that he's been involved in has, has collapsed, whether he was a member of National Action or not, um, we, we can now like talk about it and talk about it. I just had one quick question. I, I know that Hope Not Hate have been doing a lot of like, they've been making bank off this. Um, in like a very real way. Like I think it's almost at 10 grand now what they've raised off this kind of thing. What do you think about their kind of lionising of like a, a guy called, like a guy like Robbie, Robbie Mullen who was part of National Action and then like kind of got cold feet when the murder murder stuff started being talked about and called them up. Um, do you think it's an appropriate way to, to like talk about this guy and what he did? Yeah, kind of, I think. Like I think he... That he was a sort of disaffected National Action member that wasn't happy about what was happening. And he actively tried to get in touch with anti-fascists to warn them about what the group was doing. So it's not like he was someone sort of doing it for the money or some, something like that. It's, it's someone that was involved in like virulent Nazism that has turned their back on it. And I think it's like to his credit that that he's done that. If nothing yeah. else, it's, it's kind of tactically useful, right? Because you need to 
you know, fascists are the only people who really, really care about anti-fascism. So they probably like engage with like channels more or less constantly to like work out if they're in them. Uh, and so like, you know, this kind of lionization means that other people who are having cold feet will perhaps be more likely to come forward, be more likely to you know, defect from, I guess, these groups, which are, I imagine, extremely difficult to get out of once you're in yeah. them, right? They're socially consuming in well, a way that especially like, after it fascist got, movements were. Especially after it got prescribed, of course. Like, now you, 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 there's an extra layer of, like, uh, secrecy and paranoia about the whole thing. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to find more of our episodes, want to follow us on Twitter, we're at 12 Rules for What? And we're happy to respond to anyone who's got questions or criticisms about an episode. I, I promise we won't troll you. Um, we also have a Patreon account, which is at patreon.com slash 12 rules for what, if you want to support the show. Um, it's really appreciated. And You've got to look in the sunglasses at the top of the Patreon page. That's, that's a clue for you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye. 12 rules for what? Yeah,